The Growing Destinations podcast is brought to you by Experience Rochester. Learn more about Minnesota's third largest city, which is home to Mayo Clinic and features wonderful recreational and entertainment opportunities by visiting experiencerochestermn.com. Even if I don't take over this business, my thought was I would like to learn how this works because I see it myself being my own boss and what you put in is what you get in small business and giving back to the community. Those kind of things are what really drew me in. Welcome to the Growing Destinations podcast, where we take a deep dive into destination development and focus on a wide range of topics from tourism and entertainment to economic development and entrepreneurism and much more. I'm your host, Bill Von Bank. When he was 15 years old, Seamus Kolb got his first part-time job at Carol's Corn, a popular gourmet popcorn shop in downtown Rochester, Minnesota. 16 years later, during the height of the COVID-19 pandemic, he purchased the shop, which just celebrated its 30th anniversary. Seamus joins me for a conversation about the growth of Carol's Corn, the changing dynamic of his customer base, and why he's bullish on downtown Rochester's future. Seamus Kolb, welcome to the Growing Destinations podcast. Thanks for having me. You're the owner of Carol's Corn, a popular gourmet popcorn shop in downtown Rochester, Minnesota. Before we get into your business venture, share with us a bit about yourself. I'm born and raised Rochester. Um, I actually started working at Carol's Corn back in 2006. I was 15 years old. Um, I've always had ties to the business. After graduating high school, I was uh, I was actually an accounting student at University of North Dakota. Not for long. Um, <laughs> I ended up switching majors a couple of times, graduated with a geography degree and a fine art degree. Once I graduated there, I came back to Rochester. Loved the town, wanted to start paying off student loans, and I entered the professional world at Post Bulletin. Which is the daily newspaper in Rochester. Correct. And so there I was... Uh, I was managing 84 paper routes and doing sales, you know, working the desk job. And while working at Post Bulletin, I received a call from Pat Carroll, the founder of Carroll's Corn. And he asked me to come back and work in the small business. And, you know, working the professional world, I was like, yeah, this is great, but I don't see myself doing this long term. The Working for the newspaper. Okay. All right. It was a good start. It was a good start, but it really, my heart was with small business. So when I received that call from the founder of the company, I said, you know what? Yeah, I'll come back. Let's, let's see where it goes. That was after college, but let's dial back to when you were 15 because Carol's Corn, which is a legendary gourmet popcorn uh, company now 30 years in business in Rochester. That was your first job, right? Correct. Part-time. Part-time hour and a half a day after high school. <laughs> I'd come in, I'd sweep up, I'd count the cash, and it was, see you later. That was my hard day's work. What did you learn at that young age about business? Some of the biggest things I learned in business at that age was honestly just coming out of my shell a little bit. I was a, a shy guy, but you're interacting with people all day long. And with a business like ours located in the Mayo Clinic subway, you're meeting people from all over the world. A lot of them are going through challenges, you know, health problems, things like that. But you're also getting high up professionals within the Mayo Clinic coming in all the way down to your average shows that live here in Rochester. And so 
really what I learned was these are all people that we're taking care of. And yes, we're just a popcorn store, but more than that, we're kind of a, a welcome mat to our downtown in the city. So there was just a level of professionalism expected while having fun. I mean, we're a popcorn shop, candy shop, but, you know, keeping a tight shop, making sure our product was up to the standard that we hold ourselves. Like you said, 30 years in business. Um, we really take pride in the product that we're making. You started when you were 15 in and out because of college and a career start with a newspaper and advertising. So you came back and you managed for about seven years? That's probably correct. So I worked at the Post Bulletin for about a year. And then that must have been 2014, 2015. I returned to Carol's Corn. And part of part of my deal with that was, hey, Pat, if I'm going to come back, I mean, I've gone through college. I expect to go somewhere with my life, right? I'd like to start learning the ins and outs of the business. So let me interact with the vendors. I'd love to get my hands on the QuickBooks and really start kind of tapping into all aspects of the business. And, you know, he honored that. He really gave me a lot of uh, empowerment within the business to make some decisions and um, kind of learn the inner workings of the business. Did you do that because you maybe wanted to take it over someday? Yes. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I was realistic too. I'm like, Pat has a great thing going here. We have a business. He's not going to retire for a long time. So even if I don't take over this business, my thought was, I would like to learn how this works because I see it myself being my own boss and what you put in is what you get in small business and giving back to the community. Those kind of things are what really drew me in. So yes, it was in my head. I'd love to take over the business. Did I think it was going to happen? It was 50-50. You ultimately had that opportunity. How did that come about? There was a few things that really fell into place and I mean, the big one looming in the room is obviously COVID. It was the year 2020 and things were going great, but obviously we get hit with the pandemic. And at that point, Pat looked at me and was like, we might not even be in business after this. The way we got shut down, we were a brick and mortar shop only. So when you take away customers, guess what? Your business is, you know, in peril, but we laid everybody off except for myself and the other manager that we have read. And we just started brainstorming, you know, it's like, how are we going to make this work in the two weeks that were shut down? Obviously it was a little longer than that, but so we got creative. We started a home delivery program where every Friday we actually got a crew of volunteers and we mapped out all of our orders. We were delivering 200 packages around Rochester every single Friday. How quickly did you start that? You know, it was honestly, the first two weeks we just started cleaning up the shop. We're like, this is a great time to refresh. And when we started noticing this isn't really going to end right now, we have to do something. So I want to say three or four weeks into that first shutdown. And that was a challenge all on its own. Next thing you know, we're using map software and creating routes and organizing people to go out. We had five vehicles stuffed with popcorn. And that was a great thing because all of a sudden we have Rochester on our back. I mean, our customers wanted to support local, but weren't sure how to do it. So we created the opportunity for them and they just really supported us. Now, during that same time, it was probably three or four weeks into this home delivery program. I got a call from Hy-Vee and in Rochester? In Rochester. Big so, grocery store chain throughout the Midwest, for sure. Correct. And a growing grocery chain. So we have 
four Hy-Vees locally here in Rochester. I want to say that their numbers are up to 300 stores within the Midwest, and it sounds like that's continuing to expand. When they gave me a call, it was, we'd like to make a trail mix and use your popcorn to try and help support you guys. Well, in my eyes, I was like, that's awesome, but a big bag of our popcorn is $25. I'm like, if we really wanted to do something, what if you took my top selling product and we did a wholesale retail thing? Now, I didn't know anything about that type of business, but unbelievably, they said, yeah, let's give it a shot. So thank you, Hy-Vee. Really, they picked up 30 of our most popular triple mix popcorn, cheese, caramel, and butter popcorn all mixed together. Which is delicious, by the way. Thank you. They thought so too, because they picked up those 30 bags. They barely had them off of the van and people were buying them right out of the van as they were pulling up. Seriously. That was on a Friday. They called me 20 minutes after they left the store and said, "Uh, how many more of these can we get? (laughs) I said, well, as much as you want. I mean, we're sitting here waiting for something to do. So it was pretty amazing and pretty rapid after that, where it was a hundred bags that next Monday, it was 200 bags the next day. And that's all in one high V. I was just going to ask how many stores, just one store. To the point that another high V would hear that the other one had our popcorn and said, well, why don't we have it yet? So it went from one store, two store, three store. And you have to work individually with each store. That's correct. So these stores are operated as kind of a, they're called silos where each store is obviously part of the same family, but they're in competition with each other, which is really a unique way to drive competition within a business, I think. But really, that was a blessing in disguise with COVID. It was like, okay, well, now we have this opportunity to reach the rest of Rochester who are pretty much exclusively going out to grocery shop. And I'm happy to look back at that time and say, wow, we wouldn't be where we are today doing wholesale retail relationships with not only Hy-Vee, but we're with Shields, which is a large sports store. We're also doing a handful of breweries, distilleries, hotels. And I don't think that we would have even thought to expand in that direction had we not gone through that pandemic era. Getting back to your question, these kind of things are all rolling at us through that summer of 2020. Pat Carroll, the founder of Carroll's Corn, his wife retired that March or it might've been May and he was coming up on his 70th birthday. So we kind of started looking at each other saying, what's your plan? I know the world's a little crazy right now, but I really kind of spearheaded that project with hy V and the home delivery thing. And I think I kind of earned some good graces with him. Like, you know, this guy might be able to take over my company and, um, he is after all the move things forward. Exactly. And his name is right on that bag. So it weighed on my heart a little bit to take over a, you know, at that time, 27 year legacy in a world where businesses were really being challenged. Did you have trepidation or was it all, I just want to do this? Absolutely. Some trepidation. Like I said, I mean, going, going through the pandemic, you're watching businesses kind of drop out left and right. Fortunately, we had these opportunities coming at us, but we didn't have a contract or anything else with these grocery chains or anything like that. So there was a lot of nerves. And then on top of that, just going through talking to lawyers, talking to accountants, you know, maneuvering a world that I did not know through the business. I spent most of my time in the shop. Yes, I was learning the business, but 
there is a lot more to running a now business. Now you have to negotiate a, the sale and the acquisition of a business. <laughs> Absolutely. And make sure that the numbers add up. And right. um, fortunately, we have some amazing people here in Rochester that kind of stepped in and walked us through that. And it helps get rid of that trepidation when you have competent people surrounding you. And yeah. When you took over the business, did you have some defined goals right out of the gate? My goal year one was don't screw this up. <laughs> like I said, I'm taking over a 27, 28 year legacy. And I'm like, gosh, you're, you're a little nervous at first. But after that first month, I was like, let's go. We've got a goal. And um, somehow I got stuck in my head. I was like, I'd love to do a million dollars in sales. I think that'd be an amazing goal for Carol's. And that Corn. was 2021, right? 2021. We did not hit that goal, but it was a good driver for me to get my team on my side and say, this is what we're after. And it's not so much the dollar amount as it is just a way to quantify what we're doing. The other goal was just to build up a team around me. We've always had Pat Carroll as kind of the leader, right? So I'm moving from a management position to building a team that I want to stick with me over the next few years uh, or the rest of their life if they choose to. And so part of that was just coming up with a game plan on how am I going to get competitive wages for these guys? I want to make sure that we have health care. We're working on a 401k package. And looking back, I have to imagine that Pat's pretty happy with that because now here I am, I've hardly had any employee turnover two years into owning the business. And we're, we've just been seeing that growth continue year over year in a time where some businesses are still struggling. So, How big is your team? Um, I have two full-time employees and I've got another five part-timers right now. I want to go back a little bit to the wholesale retail project with the Hy-Vee stores and the other stores. Yeah. What did you learn from that experience? Because you came up with the idea, not really knowing the process. Correct. And, you know, in a way that's kind of the Carol's corn way is we have a challenge. Let's dive in. We'll figure it out as we go. And that's really how that went. The biggest things that I've learned is now I'm managing my team, but I'm also managing relationships with these each individual stores, with their managers, with a larger company like Hy-Vee with 300 franchise grocery stores. They have their own goals that they're after. And I really had to do a lot of research at home is like, okay, how do I make sure that I'm getting our margin while they're getting theirs? How do we keep it fair for our customers? Because I want to make sure that we're at an accessible price point. And then some of the other logistical situations was how are we going to get all this popcorn to each IV? I mean, we went from doing 30 bags that we threw in a garbage bag and they picked it up in their van. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's not sustainable. Now we have ways where we can make pallets of popcorn. We have some local delivery services. As the owner, I end up going out to some of the smaller locations and loading up my Highlander and dropping things off that way. And um, really, the other questions was, how much is going to be too much? We're operating out of a 900-square-foot retail space in downtown Rochester, but we're building a footprint that's spreading across southeast Minnesota. So... My next question, what's your long-term <laughs> growth strategy? Great question. Right now, we are managing that growth within the space, but I can't imagine that it's going to be enough if I want to continue on the trajectory that we're going. I forever would like to maintain 
a space in downtown Rochester simply because this is access to the rest of the world through the Mayo Clinic. We have people literally coming from every part of the United States coming for care and they fall in love with our popcorn and I'm shipping that across the country. So keeping the retail space is really important to me, but I have visions of whether it's building a warehouse or refurbishing another warehouse and creating more of a production plant, which would create an avenue where I could make mass amounts of popcorn, have our supplies come in one side, turn it into great popcorn and send it out the front. Because what I've seen is this is almost like a little test sample here in Rochester is we have a great product that people all over the country love All I need to do is figure out how to make enough of it and ship it out to the right places. You do ship across country, and I'm guessing it's because of people who have been here to visit or or Mayo Clinic patient or family member who fell in love with your popcorn. Do they keep ordering it? Absolutely. So I think what's unique about Carol's Corn is we are a shop that sells food. And I look at it as we sell joy because these people are going through some really tough challenges. Some of them are spending their days and nights in a hotel room while they're waiting for answers or going in and out of treatment. And we're kind of that comfort that they receive here. So a lot of times I get emails all the time where they say, we had your popcorn a month ago and I can't stop thinking about it. Please ship it to my house. And it always tickles me just to see that. It's like we're shipping popcorn just today out to New Hampshire We have people down in California. If we had a map of the United States, we'd probably hit all of it, which is neat. What's unique about operating a business in downtown Rochester? I would say, number one, it's going to be the people that you get to interact with. For me, just in a given day, I can tell what time of day it is based on who's walking through the door, and I can tell what time of the year it is based on who's walking through the door. Because a lot of these people are on recurring treatment schedules where they have to come back every three months. And we look forward to that visit. I always tell them, don't come back earlier than that, because that normally means there's something else going on. But I I would say that's extremely unique. We're at a point where Mayo Clinic has, like many large businesses, is starting to move anybody that they can to working from home or working a hybrid schedule, which has had a huge impact on downtown Rochester, and I'm sure downtowns all over the country, where you're seeing less foot traffic of employees. And for us, that's just meant that we need to really cater to the guests of our community. So these people that are coming in from all over the country, let's create a welcoming space for them. And um, I would say that what used to be 70% downtown Rochester employees coming in and out of my store is probably half of that. And now we're seeing more visitor traffic rather than recurring employees. Less employees, more visitors. Are you bullish about your business long-term where you're located and the type of business you're going to get? That is a tough question, but you know, I am bullish that our business will be able to sustain itself in the downtown setting. But I think in large thanks to almost creating a hybrid business model of, okay, we are retail, but fortunately we have outlets where we're creating a product and entering more retail spaces outside of our downtown. So So your brand is exposed to more people. Correct. I think that's been just super important for the Carol's Corn story. If we were operating solely on 
downtown traffic. I don't think that I would be able to employ as many people as we do. I think it would be challenging to offer the competitive wages that I'm able to do to keep those employees. As you think about downtown, because it is a topic for leaders of Rochester, for businesses and residents of of downtown Rochester, and again, across the country, what are some thoughts or ideas you have to create the next downtown Rochester or reimagine downtown Rochester as a business owner, as somebody who's got their heart and soul in downtown? What are some thoughts you have about kind of re-energizing downtown? As far as re-energizing downtown, I remain bullish on it because some of the things that we are seeing is people are starting to move into a lot of the apartments that are being built in our downtown area. People want a walkable city. They want to be able to explore and see unique shops. So part of that is going to be downtown businesses working together. I love seeing some of the different events that we have going on, some of the um, just community that's being built, especially in like the restaurant industry, the beer industry, music, and those kind of things that attract local residents is really going to be important if we're going to sustain downtown business. Also, we have to make sure that our city is welcoming these visitors for more than just excellent medical care because they know they're going to receive that, but the family members that come with them need something to do. They want to see exciting new businesses. They want entertainment like we see here at the Mayo Civic Center in Rochester. And I'd just like to see those things keep getting expanded on. I'd like to see new ideas tried out because, I mean, if we could really come up with the answer, we would be millionaires right now, Bill. This is the 30th anniversary year for Carol's Corn. Any big plans? We have a few plans for our 30th anniversary. One is I had to do a massive sheet cake. We're treating it like a birthday party. (laughs) I love it. And uh, I've made friends with some of the people at the Hy-Vee grocery store that are um, expert cake decorators. So I'm hoping to have a custom popcorn themed cake just for my staff and ourselves to share. We've also put together some fun new kind of 90s t-shirts just to celebrate. They're really funky and pay homage to 1993 is when the business began. We've got some new flavors going on this month. I'm doing a chocolate-covered kettle corn, which just brings that sweet and salty. We typically only do it for Valentine's Day, but I've been doing that all month. So really excited to share that with people. What's the best advice Pat Carroll has ever given to you? You've met Pat Carroll before, Bill. I have met him. And he talks a lot. So when I saw this question, I really had to dig deep and kind of think about okay, what is the biggest advice that Pat has given me? Because he said so much. And really what I lean into is at one point, he just looked to me and said, Carol's corn figures out a way every time. And what I take out of that is running a small business. Part of that is just challenge after challenge after challenge. And as long as you keep showing up, you're going to figure out a way through it. And, you know, I, I lean into that a lot because even that first week I took over the business, I'm in a hundred plus year hotel for my retail space and I had pipes break. So now I'm not a small business owner. I was a plumber, you know, and I kept, I had my head under a sink for a week. And fortunately one of my customers came in and he happened to be a master plumber in a past life, jumped by my counter and his uh, nurse scrubs and helped me fix this thing. So 
little things like that. You just, you kind of roll with the punches and you figure stuff out. We didn't know how to do this wholesale retail relationship, but we're making that work and it's growing rapidly on its own. So it just drives me to stay excited with the business. Seamus Kolb, you've tackled business ownership well. Congratulations on all your success and best wishes on your 30th anniversary year. Thanks for having me, Bill. Thank you for tuning in to the Growing Destinations podcast. And don't forget to subscribe. This podcast is brought to you by Experience Rochester. Find out more about Rochester, Minnesota and its growing arts and culture scene, its international culinary flavors and award-winning craft beer by visiting experiencerochestermn.com.